0: But uh, kind of in between those two things we've got just one week here and 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 I was initially thinking I would preach on 1 Peter chapter 1 as we look forward to this coming year and and planning for that but but then I've been uh, convicted personally and thinking a lot about um, the fact that we're just we're, we're just Busy all the time, and I've been reading a book that's been helping me think about and evaluate my own life a little bit more. And I thought, as we jump into looking at 2014, I want to go a little bit different direction uh, this morning. And so, uh, if you have your Bible, uh, and if you if you have one, we encourage you to take it with you when you come here on Sunday mornings, just so that you would. I have that opportunity to, to have the, the Word of God sitting in your lap as we um, go through it together. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10, and I'll read that in just a moment. But, but just to, to, to announce or, or address the, the fact that we're just busy. Even this time of year, most people have at least a couple of days off of work or, or there's time off from school. But this time of year, it feels like almost one of the busiest times of the year, doesn't it? I mean, it's supposed to be vacation holiday time, right? But instead, we just we busy ourselves with so much, we just got back from a whirlwind trip. It seems like every time that we go to Minnesota, we left Wednesday morning and came back yesterday. And and we're trying to hit this family and that family and get together with these people and those people. And it's just crazy. And then we get back and we're just shot. And I've got a couple more days of vacation this week, but I've got a list of things that I want to do at the house. Like, we, we don't even rest very well. We're just a very, very... Busy people, and and we kind of have, I think, like a love hate relationship with busyness. Um, there's sometimes we wear our busyness like a badge. We actually really like it. It's how conversations start many times. We even have like a standard greeting is, "How you doing? Keeping busy?" Like, "Yep. All right. Staying out of trouble." Yep. Like we we have like these these little things that we say to each other. Hey, you know, and, and you can ask somebody, "Well, how are you doing?" And often you get the answer, "Oh, we're just." Just so busy, and we're actually like we're surprised by it. That that's always our answer, right? Well, We're busy all the time, even on vacation. And so, um, I want to think about that a little bit this morning. Th- there's other ways that we don't like being busy. So sometimes we like it. Um, you know, you might be one of those people like, well, I don't like just sitting around. I need to be doing something, right? But then there's other times where we just we don't want to be busy. Like if we're honest, we live a lot of our lives. Relatively tired and stressed out. You know, there's a lot of people, if you're living in a developing country in our world, there's a lot of other problems that you'll face. But one of the problems that's not often faced by people living in developing countries is stress. Interesting, isn't it, that we would be the people that have fewer limits than anybody in all of human history, right? I mean, we, we have no limits as far as communication, transportation, technology, we've got all these things that are supposed to make life easier, but we're the busiest, most stressed out, tired people that there have ever been. It's, it's strange. Being busy is not good for us. It makes us tired and stressed out, and I'm sick of busyness in my own life, and I'm sick of, as, as a pastor and shepherd of God's people, seeing what busyness does to people in the body of Christ. And so that's what I want to address this morning. Now, I'm not going to share with you Jeremy's keys to time management. That wouldn't be very helpful. For you, What I want to do is I want to open up God's Word, trusting that God has wisdom for us in this, this morning. And so that's where we're going to go to Luke 10. One of the things that's been helping me a lot in thinking through this is a short book um, called Crazy Busy um, by a guy named Kevin DeYoung. Um, It's called A Mercifully Short Book About a Really Big Problem. Um, And so I'd encourage you to check that out. A lot of what I might even share this morning might be kind of from that a little bit. Um, I'm just going to read you a quote. Uh, He talks about the seriousness of this busyness problem that we have. Here's what he says. Busyness kills more Christians than bullets. How many sermons are stripped of their power by lavish dinner preparations and professional football? How many moments of pain are wasted because we never sat still long enough to learn from them? How many times of private and family worship have been crowded out by soccer And school projects, we need to guard our hearts. Listen to this, the greatest danger with busyness is that there may be greater dangers you never have time to consider. Busy people need to prioritize. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. If you're busy, you have a lot of things going on, you need to make a list and you need to have something that you do first and something that you do after that, right? We need to prioritize. It would be easy if we didn't have to. If we just had like one thing, imagine this, if you just had one thing to do in life, how easy would that be? We'd just do that one thing and do that one thing really well. But the reality is, none of us have just one thing to do. It doesn't really matter even what age you are. We have a number of things that we feel like we need to get done, that are expected of us. And so we need to prioritize. We're going to, as we walk into 2014, open up to Luke 10 where we're going to see this story in the middle of Luke's gospel where we see two sisters. And there's going to be a clash of priorities. They're both busy. They're both busy doing something. But one has one priority and the other has two a different priority, and we're going to see a clash between those. My prayer, though, is that in the midst of all the things that we could be doing in 2014, that our church would be a church filled with people who are busy doing the one thing that Jesus says is necessary. Okay? So, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38, very short, a very short story here in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. If you're able to, let's stand as we read God's Word this morning. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You can be seated. God's Word is, is good, and, and, and I, let's just pray. God, would you, would you, through your Holy Spirit, working through your Word, build up your church here this morning for the sake of your name. Amen. That's what we want to happen, right? We want God to, to, to change us. There might be some changes that need to take place in our lives, um, and God's Word might point those out even this morning. And so, let's look at uh, Luke chapter 10. It, just to give you a little context, we're jumping right into the middle of the Gospel of Luke. There's a big shift that's taken place in this Gospel. At the end of chapter 9, Jesus begins to shift, and His, his path is now towards Jerusalem. That's the place where He will die right? He'll be crucified. And so so there's this shift that's taken place in the Gospel of Luke, and it kind of gives you this sense that now we know that Jesus' time is limited. He's headed to Jerusalem. His time is, is about done. And so so to me, it just kind of affirms the importance of everything that he's going to say. He knows that his time is limited. What is he going to teach his people in the time that he has left before he leaves the earth, right? And so Part of what he wants to teach is what we're seeing here in Luke chapter 10. Just got done with the parable of the Good Samaritan, and now we see this clash of priorities set up between the two sisters. The one sister, Martha, invites Jesus into her house. That's what we saw in verse 38. And now in verse 39, we're going to see that Mary is busy, but she's focused. Busy and focused. That's how you could describe Mary. So look at. Mark, or sorry, Luke chapter 10, verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary. Here's what Mary was busy doing. Here's what she was focused on. She sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. She was sitting at the Lord's feet and listening to his teaching. That's that's one option that we have, right? That's what Mary chose to do. Now, we might not even be... Uh, we, we need to try, to, when we're reading scripture, we need to try and understand what it would have sounded like to the original audience. That might not be all that shocking to us, but we need to understand, if you're in Luke's original audience, if you're, if you're Martha, this would have been shocking to you. That, that there was a woman sitting at Jesus' feet. That's the spot of a disciple, right? And there's, there's a woman sitting there at Jesus' feet, and Jesus is good with that. So we need to be aware of that—that that, that this would have been shocking to them. Mary is doing something very countercultural. Martha was doing what everybody would expect Martha to be doing, and what everybody would expect Mary to be doing. But Mary, by sitting at Jesus' feet as a woman, as a disciple, was doing something kind of countercultural. And I think you know we need to we need to think about this. Um, w- later, we'd find as the church is established. That God's idea is that the church would be led um, by elders and pastors who are male, and that males would be spiritual leaders in the home. So I don't think Jesus is, is flying in the face of any of that here. But what Jesus is saying is something that at the time people would have been a bit shocked by. That is this. Women need to be disciples who need to immerse themselves in the teaching of Jesus, who need to think theologically. That would have been kind of shocking to these people at this time, and I hope it's not shocking to you. I hope you, you recognize, women, that, that, that you're called to do that, that you're called to learn, to immerse yourself in the study of Scripture. We need women besides Beth Moore to write some solid Bible studies for women. And some dudes can maybe do that, but women are really good at writing Bible studies for other women. And so we need some, some women who might who might do that kind of study we need some moms who are going to confidently and carefully teach their kids the scriptures so we need just as as they did in this day we need women who will feel the call of god to be disciples and to study and immerse themselves in god's word you could have a lot of things i know women's lists and men's lists they might look a little different but but generally we all have a lot of things that we could do in 2014 women i would just encourage you from mary's example here that of all the things that you could do all the things on your list of priorities in 2014 that you make one of your priorities maybe even the top priority in 2014 to study the word of god privately corporately that your you're immersing yourself in God's Word. There's a, a clay Bible study that started to meet, um, and they're going to meet again uh, starting now in January, starting a new study. If you're available during the day, just encourage you ladies to check that out. That's an announcement in the bulletin about that, uh, details regarding that. There's free childcare. You can't beat that. If you've got kids, you get to have somebody else watch them who loves them for a period of time, and then you get to just study God's Word with some other women. encourage you to do that. Probably not natural for most of us to be Mary like. More than likely, you're more Martha like than Mary like. I know I am. And so we get introduced to Mary, or Martha, in verse 40. Here's what it says about Martha. So we got Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his teaching. And then verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Again, I told you that Martha's doing what people expected her to do. I mean, after all, she invited Jesus into her house. You invite somebody into your house in that culture and in our culture, it's expected that you're going to feed the people that you invited over for a meal, right? And, and meals don't just magically appear. Somebody's going to have to do the work. And so Martha's doing what she was expected to do. She's just doing what needs to be done. And if we think about our priority list... We just do what needs to be done, right? I mean, we have a long list of things that need to be done. People in your house need to eat. That requires you shopping for food, making food, and then after they're done eating, cleaning the dishes, right? That, that People in your house need to wear clothing. That requires you taking your dirty laundry and making it clean and then drying it and then folding it and then putting it. It's a lot of steps to laundry, you know? I mean, there's just a lot of stuff to do. We've got homework that needs to be done. We've got a job that we need to go to. We've got an email inbox that needs to be cleaned out. We've got snow that needs to be moved, bills that need to be paid. Our list of things that we're supposed to do is a long list, and Martha's feeling that. She's got a list of things she wants to get done. She's got a guest at her house. She wants to feed him. So she's distracted with much serving. I think that word distracted is very important there. That, that it's quite possible that, that the thing, the things that Martha is busying herself with are helping her to actually miss the point of what she should be focusing on at this point. I think that's true for us. I'm going to give you a prediction, okay? This is, this is Pastor Jeremy's prediction for 2014. I don't think you're going to be bored. I think you're going to have lots of stuff to do in 2014, okay? That's my prediction. Just, just throwing that one out there. I think probably all of us are going to have a lot of stuff that we want to get done in 2014. We'll see if that works. I think it will. But what's very possible is that we could, very much like Martha, be distracted with much serving. Doing things that we need to do, things that need to get done, can easily become a distraction to us that distract us from focusing on that which is most important. I want to, you know, a lot of times my messages I've figured out are kind of heavy on the content and, and low on the application, kind of like, well, you figure that out. Now, this one's going to be kind of heavy on the application um, because the passage itself is is so short. Um, but I want to just address parents for a moment because um, I think as parents, we're some of probably the most busy and distracted people in In the world, right? Would you agree if you're a parent that busy and distracted might be a good way to describe you? You're very Martha-like. There's a lot of things as a parent that you recognize need to get done. If Listen, if we parent the way that the culture expects us to parent, we're going to end up quite exhausted. Isn't that true? If if we do kind of what everybody else does as parents, we're going to feel pretty exhausted. And one thing we've done over time, I think, is we've made parenting um, kind of complicated. I, I'm going to read to you just a, a longer quote from this book just because maybe I think it might get you to think, oh, maybe we should read that. That's good. Um, and uh got to find it. There we go. Um, <laughs> I like, uh, this is Kevin DeYoung talking about parenting um, and, uh, and very good stuff about how complicated parenting has become Maybe unnecessarily so. So listen to this. Parenting has become more complicated than it needs to be. It used to be, as far as I can tell, that Christian parents basically tried to feed their kids, clothe them, teach them about Jesus, and keep them away from explosives. Now, our kids have to sleep on their backs. No, wait, their tummies. Nope, never mind, their backs. While listening to baby Mozart, surrounded by scenes of Starry Starry Night. They have to be in piano lessons before they're five, and they can't leave the car seat until they're about five foot six. It's all so involved. There's so many rules and expectations. Parenting may be the last bastion of legalism, not just in the church, but in our culture. We live in a permissive society that won't count any sin against you as an adult, but they will count the calories in your kids' hot lunches. I keep hearing that kids aren't supposed to eat sugar anymore. What a world! What a world. My parents were solid as a rock. But we still had a cupboard populated with cereal royalty like Captain Crunch and Count Chocula. In our house, the pebbles were fruity and the charms were lucky. The breakfast bowl was a place for marshmallows, not dried camping fruit. Our milk was 2%. And sometimes if we needed to take the edge off of a rough morning, we'd tempt fate and chug a little vitamin D. As nanny parents living in a nanny state, we think of our children as amazingly fragile and entirely moldable. But both assumptions are mistaken. It's harder to ruin our kids than we think. And it's also harder to stamp them for success than we'd like. I just like that because I think it's right that, that we, we, we think that we have to do so many things. Our culture tells us that good parents do all of these things. And we feel like we're not keeping up and we're not doing everything we ought to be doing if our kids aren't doing all those things that everybody else's kids are doing. Right? Right? we have kind of a warped idea of parenting if we get it from our culture we equate somehow good parenting with busy parenting that we think we're being a good parent if we're you know kind of running around all the time doing stuff with and for our kids but we need to realize there's a cost to that i mean certainly there's a financial cost you got to you know there's fees for this and fundraisers for that and and gas money and concession stand money and all that other kind of stuff that goes with it but the cost is, I think, a lot more than the financial cost. That that we have to acknowledge that we can't do it all. And when we try and do it all, we get tired. And when we get tired, we get impatient. And we get impatient, we get crabby. I read about this study. Interesting. Um, a thousand kids in grades three through twelve um, were were asked a question: What do you want for your parents? Like what? Of all, like what do you? What do you you want more from, from your parents? What, What do you want to change in your family? Parents assumed of these kids, parents assumed that their kids would say, I want more time with my parents. But that was a pretty rare answer. You know what most kids said? Most kids said, I want mom and dad to be a little less tired and less stressed out. That's what their kids said. Their kids didn't say, I want mom to get me into another lesson and get me onto another traveling team. Kids said, I just want mom and dad to chill out a little bit. It to be less tired and less stressed out. That was the most common answer that people have, that, that kids had. And somebody concluded looking at that by saying this by trying to do so much for them, we're actually making our kids less happy. It would be better for us and for our kids if we planned fewer outings, got involved in fewer activities, took more breaks from our kids, did whatever we could to make to get more help around the house and make parental sanity a higher priority. So parents, as you think about 2014, if you just pause a little bit, maybe this requires a little conversation at home when you get there, and to just think about what's most important in our life as a family. What do we what do we really want for our family in 2014? And I think if we're honest, a lot of times what we would say is most important to our family is not at all reflected in what our family calendar looks like. What we say is most important for our family is not often reflected in what our family calendar looks like. We need to recognize that maybe there's something wrong with the fact that we've made sure that our kid got to every practice and we made it to most of their games, but we can't remember the last time that we opened up a Bible together as a family. Right? Like this... This quote from Vodi Bacham he says this, People turned it boys into men and girls into women for most of recorded history without dragging them around town with their tongues hanging out in an effort to keep up with overachieving, undereducated, theologically illiterate peers as they try to win trophies that will eventually gather dust in a basement somewhere. If I teach my son to keep his eye on the ball but fail to, te- fail to teach him to keep his eyes on Christ, I've failed as a father. We must, listen to this, we must refuse to allow trivial temporal pursuits to interfere with the main thing. Martha's got a lot of stuff going on. We all got a lot of stuff going on. But we're going to see Jesus come and say to Martha, I want you to focus on the main thing. Before we get there, let's finish the rest of verse 40. Martha was distracted, we found, with much serving. And so she goes up to Jesus um, she doesn't even talk to Mary. Maybe she's already tried talking to Mary. She doesn't think it's worth it anymore. So she goes to Jesus to kind of be like a little, you know, the older sister tattletale kind of thing. Hey, you know what Mary's doing? Um, and so she does this. Um, so she comes up to Jesus and she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Right? So she's looking and she's saying, well, why, why isn't she more like me? That 's the kind of reaction you get parents if you if you kind of make these decisions for your family that like we 're going to limit the amount of activity that we do as a family, other people are going to look at you like Martha like are you serious? you can 't do that? You must be a bad parent or your kids might get mad at you that'd be horrible, wouldn't it, as a parent if your kids got mad at you because you said, no, you know what that 's not a priority for our family, so we 're not doing that this year. <gasps> that would be horrible if your kids got upset with you, but you know what that 's kind of part of what parenting is about that you, sometimes you got to make decisions that are unpopular for your kids. And I know you have a lot of things to do. Like, like, Mary, like Martha's looking at here. she's like, hey, somebody's got to make supper, Jesus. Don't you want to eat? Right? But she's distracted. And so if, if parents, you even make the decision to say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to limit the number of things that we do, uh, so that our, our schedule is a little more sane this year, um, that might be challenging. I have some questions at the bottom of the outline on the, in the bulletin that might be helpful for you to ask as a family. That, that, that might be helpful for you as you evaluate activities. I shared this. This is from a blog from a mom named Jen Wilkin. That I shared it with a Sunday school class a few months ago. But those might be helpful kind of questions for you to work through as a family. And and she does say, as, as she says, you know, try and, uh, try and evaluate what you're going to do. Um, and then she says at the end, notice that does my child enjoy it is not on the list. So often I hear parents justify keeping a child in a time-sucking activity because, quote, he loves it so much. And then she says, kids love Skittles and Mario Kart so much, but they don't get to decide if, when, and how much to consume. Because children possess a limited range of life experience, it's difficult for them to conceive of happiness outside their current circumstance. It's our job to help them learn. And this expectation that we put on ourselves makes us and our kids exhausted. So here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying this. I'm not saying that being in some kind of lessons or being on a traveling team is necessarily a bad thing. I'm just saying it's very potentially, very likely a distracting thing. And if you're not a parent, you can think of your own list of things that would be on your list of, well, I think they're good. They're, they're things that should be done. But if you're honest, we'd have to say these are distracting things. Martha was busy and distracted. I mean, just a personal experience story to share with you. Um, because of taking vacation, you know that at your job probably too, if you take vacation... That just means you've got to work really extra hard before you leave and then work really hard once you get back to catch up. So, so I'm looking at um, my schedule over the next few days and, and a number of days off in between, but still preaching you know, a couple times last week, once this week, doing a wedding, and, and you know, like all sorts of stuff, right? And so, so looking at all that stuff, and I'm thinking, I looked at my, I looked at my calendar, and I'm like, you know what? I've I got about five hours to prepare this sermon about busyness. Um, and, uh, and so, so this was like Monday afternoon. We're going to leave Wednesday morning. And so I'm thinking, well, I got to get this thing done. So I had two hours Monday afternoon. I was just like, I hit it hard. I, I didn't have time to sit and be merry. I didn't have time to sit in, in, at the feet of Jesus and listen to him. I just needed to get to work. Right. And so I started working on my sermon and I, I was just like, I was just stressed. I'm sure my body was tense. I got home and I had just this pounding headache and I felt miserable. And and told Kirsten, well, here's what I'm trying to get done, and all this stuff, and Kirsten says to me, well, you got to practice what you preach. Okay, you're right. Again, right? Um, that that that's true. Like, so so I knew that I had this limited amount of time, and I I couldn't spend time. Like, I wouldn't have been able to even just sit and pray and read that night. My head hurt too bad and stuff. But I knew that even though I had a limited amount of time, the first thing that I needed to do Tuesday morning is I needed to get up, and rather than get right at this, I needed to just spend some time with my Bible open to a different passage and just spend some time praying through it. And I did. And guess what? You still got a sermon today, right? It got done. The things that we needed to get done can still get done if we prioritize something that is more necessary. So that's what we're going to look at now. We see this, uh, this clash that has been set up, and then we get to see, thankfully, Jesus gives us an evaluation. So you've got one sister, Martha, busy doing what she needs to do, what's expected of her to do, and you've got Mary sitting at Jesus' feet listening to his teaching. Which one is Jesus? Gonna, is he going to side with Martha and say, "You know, you're right. Mary, get up and do something." That, that's very selfish of you to make your sister do all that work while you just sit here and listen. Is that what Jesus is going to say? Well, let's look at Jesus' evaluation starting in verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. He says her name two times. He wants her to listen. He's got something important to say to her. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. See, Jesus notices. He, he's good at this, right? He notices where her heart's at. He notices where her mind's at. He can look at her. I could, I could probably do this with some of you. you. I know my family could do this with me. They could look at you, look at me. I could look at you and say, you know what? I can tell you're, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Or maybe your version says worried and upset, right? You're worried and upset. There's a lot on your plate, isn't there? There's a lot of things on your mind. You're not even really listening when I'm talking to you cuz you're, you're like you're just there there's a million things going on. I can tell. And Jesus notices that about Martha. He says, "Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things." And then he gives his evaluation. In verse 43, 42, but one thing is necessary. Listen, here's what I know. There's going to be a lot of things to do. There are a lot of things to do. Life is busy. 2014 is going to be busy. There's a lot of opportunities available to you. But Jesus says in verse 42 to Martha, who's busy doing a lot of things that need to be done, he says, one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Is it making supper? No. Mary has chosen the good portion and this will not be taken from her. Mary chose the good thing. Jesus, in his evaluation of these two sisters whose priorities are clashing with each other, Jesus sides with Mary and says, she's doing the thing that won't be taken away. Listen, all of the effort and time that you put into the sport that you're in could be ended very quickly with an injury, right? All of the work that you put into your job could be taken away very quickly as you get laid off. Right? All all of the all of the energy and effort that we put into doing the dishes before we even get them put from the dishwasher into the cupboard, they're taken out and getting dirty again. Right? The laundry basket is full again two days later. You're never going to catch up and get ahead. We like I'm oh, just trying to trying to keep up, trying to get ahead. You're never going to keep up and get ahead. Sorry. I, I I try to do that all the time too. I love getting things done. But I never feel like I've caught up or like I'm, I'm working ahead. If you work ahead, you're going to be behind again two days later anyway, right? So Jesus says, Mary's chosen something, though, that can't be taken away. It's not going to get dirty again. It's not going to, it's not going to, you're not going to get behind in this. And what has Mary chosen? Well, Mary has chosen to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his teaching. So, ask you, this year, 2014, you going to make that a priority in your life? Will you be a little bit more like Mary and a little less like Martha in 2014? Will you prioritize spending time sitting at the feet of Jesus and just learning from him? Think of, think of something you might need to start doing. You might even want to write this in your outline just to kind of get you thinking. What do you need to start doing in 2014? This is a great time of year to pick up a Bible reading plan. Okay. Um, you could you could pick up a, a reading through the whole Bible in a year plan. Maybe you've tried that, it hasn't worked very well. Maybe 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 give it a shot again this year. Um, if you if you just like if you feel like man, I just need to start small cuz I always try to bite off way too much and then and then I never make it happen and then I feel guilty and then I just quit. Maybe maybe this year, just try and read through the New Testament this year. You could do that. Uh, there's plans out there. I'll email you stuff uh, later today um, so that you have links. You can check stuff out. There's all sorts of things out there. But you could read through the New Testament by spending five minutes a day, five days a week. Get through the whole New Testament in a year. I know you're busy, but you could probably cut that out, right? Five minutes a day, five days a week. Get through the whole New Testament this year. Just be good. What do you you need to start doing in order to prioritize spending time with Jesus in 2014? And what do you need to stop doing? Is there some evaluation that you need to do? Maybe as an individual, maybe as a couple, maybe as a family. Maybe you need to do some evaluation. Is there something that's just taking too much of your time? Maybe you need to have some hard conversations even with your kids. Maybe you need to ask a brother or sister in Christ. You need to humble yourself and come before them. Somebody maybe that was in your life group and say, hey, how do you think I'm doing with priorities in my life? They might tell you the truth and it might hurt. Maybe you need to do that. Is there, is there a hobby or a habit that's just sucking way too much of your time? You need to limit your time on the internet in 2014. Are you, like, You're just always checking something. you got your phone, maybe. You're, like, you're, always, you're always checking stuff out, right? Maybe you just need to not check stuff out a little bit. I want to close, though, with a way that this points us to the gospel. Because C- the truth is this. The truth is that, that I think most of us, most of the time, are more Martha-like. We like to do things. Right? We like to get things done. We like to do things for ourselves. We're Americans, right? We can, we can pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We can make it happen. But go ahead and turn as we close to Ephesians chapter 2. You probably, maybe some of you have this memorized. Part of the good news of the gospel is that we need to come to the end of ourselves realizing the futility of of our constant doing, and say, you know what? When it comes to, to, to what will really satisfy me, what will, what will actually save me, all my doing, all my working will accomplish nothing. It's all about what's already been done by Jesus, and I simply need to come and to sit at His feet and receive. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith... And this is not your own doing; it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's not a result of works; it's not by your own doing; it's by what He has already done. And so, so if you have not—I mean, some of you like—I'm I'm talking about this. You're like, "Well, why would I want to spend time with Jesus?" Maybe you're not even saved, and then I don't understand. Like, you probably don't understand why I'm talking about this. Well, why would I want that? What you need, first of all, is you need to understand that you come before our holy God. What you take with you is just a bunch of sin and a bunch of falling short. And what your most desperate need is for 2014 is not to buy your own stubborn willpower, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and try to be better. Because you trying to be better is not going to satisfy a holy and righteous God. No, you need to, to lay yourselves at the feet of Jesus, at the foot of the cross, recognizing that on that cross, He paid the penalty for your sin. And that, that because the Father accepted His sacrifice, He rose again from the dead. And He will reign forever forever that when you repent of your sin and trust in Him as Lord and Savior, you receive that which you could not earn by all of your doing and all of your working. You receive salvation. And it comes by grace through faith. That's the only way to get it. By grace through faith in Christ, we're saved. And before you can work on doing a bunch of things, start start a Bible reading plan or whatever else, you need to recognize that That you just need Jesus. I want you to just turn over a new leaf in 2014. I want you, if you're not a Christian, to receive a new heart in, well, it's still 2013. Maybe this year yet. Repent of your sins and trust in Jesus. I hope for us as a church in 2014, I started out uh, a year ago here, um, and said the first three messages that I preached before we jumped into Mark. We're kind of laying out these three things. My desire uh, for this people as a church, and now that I've gotten to know you, it really hasn't changed. My desire is that we would be a church of people molded by God's word and motivated by God's glory as we make disciples throughout God's world. That's what I want. I want to to pastor a church. I want to be a part of a church. I want to be a, a guy who lives his life in that way, molded by God's word and motivated by God's glory as we make disciples throughout God's world. But the first thing in that list, being molded by God's word, that doesn't happen if we're not spending time in God's word, if we're not making that a priority in our life. If it's the thing that we try and squeeze in after everything else is done, it's going to get squeezed out. That's just the reality. And so we need to become more and more like Mary and a little less like Martha where we need to recognize the value and the priority, that we would be not busy and distracted by many things, but that we would be busy and focused on one thing. Because Jesus said, one thing is necessary. And Mary had chosen that better thing, and that is to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him.